Welcome to Global Dispatches, a podcast about world affairs and the people who shape it. I'm your host, Mark Leon Goldberg, editor of UN Dispatch, and in this show we discuss topical global issues and have in-depth conversations with personalities in foreign policy. Global Dispatches is presented in partnership with Humanity in Action, an international educational organization, and I am a Humanity in Action senior fellow. Last week, the Polish Senate passed a law that would make it a criminal offense to claim that Poland was complicit in Nazi crimes. The Israeli government strongly opposed this measure, as do most people who care about free speech and honest academic discourse. Nevertheless, the measure was passed and now awaits the signature of the president to become law. When I caught up with my guest today, Monica Mazur-Rafal, Poland's lower house had recently passed the law, and as Monica explains, the public debate and discourse about this measure was heavily colored by invocations of ethnic nationalism and hate speech. Monica is the director of Humanity in Action Poland, which is an organization that seeks to promote pluralism and cosmopolitan values, and she explains the use of hate speech around this particular public debate is just one manifestation of a trend that has increased sharply in Poland in recent years. In fact, a public survey, which Monica describes in detail, finds that Polish people's exposure to hate speech has increased dramatically with the coming to power of the far-right-wing Law and Justice Party. She explains that dynamic and the relationship between anti-Semitism, homophobia, Islamophobia, and racism, and the electoral success of the ruling Law and Justice Party. And needless to say, there are some interesting and rather disturbing parallels to what is happening in Poland and what happened during the 2016 election here in the United States. Finally, Monica explains what organizations like Humanity in Action are doing to counter this disturbing trend. A big thank you to Monica for speaking with me, and of course, a big thank you to Humanity in Action for being a supporter of this podcast. And as regular listeners know, I am a Humanity in Action senior fellow. If you have any questions about what Humanity in Action is, what it's all about, or if you are a student and seek to apply for a fellowship in the coming years, feel free to send me an email. You can do so at the globaldispatchespodcast.com homepage, and there's a contact button. And if I can't answer your email, I'll direct you to someone who can. And now here is my conversation with Monica Mazur-Rafal of Humanity in Action Poland. Looking for a trustworthy podcast to bring you unfiltered viewpoints and experiences on global health? Tune into Global Health Matters, the podcast that connects silos and amplifies diverse voices to give you a holistic picture. Each month, Dr. Gary Aslanian from the World Health Organization hosts discussions with guests spanning former ministers of health, award-winning journalists and authors, and frontline public health workers. Join listeners from across 180 countries for an exciting Season 4, launching in June. Global Health Matters is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Uh, maybe I should quote to give you uh, an indication. Yeah, please do. It goes like this. Who publicly and in contrary to facts ascribes to the Polish nation or the Polish state responsibility or co-responsibility for Nazi crimes committed by the Third Reich, or 
for other criminal acts constituting crimes against peace, crimes against humanity or war crimes, or in another way, strikingly minimizes the responsibility of the actual perpetrators of these crimes is subject to a fine or to deprivation of liberty for up to three years. So basically it is criminalizing um, anyone who seeks to describe Polish complicity in, in the Holocaust by using a phrase like Polish death camp to refer to Auschwitz, which is a death camp in Poland. Yes, uh, we are asking ourselves who will uh, decide about the facts. Uh, these facts are being discussed in Poland for several years. We actually, we uh, under we are in the process of uh, uh, coming to terms with the difficult past. And uh, there are uh, uh, several researchers, experts who, uh, who reveal some facts and some others who deny the facts. So, uh, you know, history in Poland is not a closed chapter. It is a very painful history and uh, uh, we are afraid that this draft law would mean, in fact, uh, uh, closing the window of opportunity to discuss openly uh, the difficult history. And, and so, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about this subject is not just to explore the merits of this draft law, but it also seems, based on, on the reporting that I've read, that um, debate around this law itself has caused a spike in in hate speech, which uh, is something I, I wanted to talk to you about. So what what has the debate around this law been like, and how has it manifested itself in uh, hate speech? Well, this uh, draft law is only one uh, one episode in a longer series of uh, uh, identity identity building policies. Uh, so uh, uh, of course, uh, this law and is the fact that it is so vaguely formulated uh, and uh, uh, sparked a lot of controversies uh, all around the world, especially especially uh, in Israel. Uh, of course, the fact that it passed the lower chamber of the Polish parliament in the eve of the in International Holocaust Remembrance Day uh, adds to these controversies. But uh, we... Here we are reported uh, that there are uh, uh, very emotional debates in Israel. The exchange between politicians is also very emotional. And the same goes in Poland. So uh, uh, when it comes to the uh, publicly owned uh, television, there are several instances of anti-Semitic language which uh, was never that public. Uh, uh, so uh, the same goes for the uh, social media. So actually, um, I'm afraid that this latest controversy contributed to the, to the opening of Pandora box. Let's put it this way. Uh, and well, the background is that uh, since the electoral campaign of this government. So I'm referring to the summer of 2015. We, uh, we Poles, we, uh, we were presented with an unprecedented propagandist campaign against uh, refugees, against uh, 
all possible others who possibly would not belong to the Polish nation. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, well, uh, since then, uh, the the numbers of uh, the instances of hate speech is constantly growing. And and so basically, you you are referring to the campaign uh, in the summer of 2015 that led to the election in the fall of 2015 of the sort of far right uh, uh, party, law, the Law and Justice Party, uh, they're called, and and Mr. Kaczynski as its uh, titular head. Um, and and basically they campaigned on like an ethnic nationalist propaganda and in so doing seems to have unleashed a new wave of of hate speech and frankly probably concurrent hate crimes that are uh, occurring in Poland in in alarming numbers and there was uh, some data points that uh, you pointed uh, me to before we spoke uh, a survey in fact that showed a dramatic spike in in hate speech between 2014 and 2016 which the sort of variable being the uh, election in the campaign of this uh, right-wing uh, party so can can you describe i guess like how what is this hate speech like what does it look like um, who is being targeted and what sort of uh, effect is it having on, on Polish society? Uh, well, maybe, uh, yes, of course. Let me start with the definition of hate speech. Uh, uh, as hate speech, I understand the term coined by uh, and defined by uh, by the Council of Europe uh, Committee of Ministers, uh, which goes this way. Uh, hate speech uh, are all forms of expression not only uh, words, yes, which spread inside, promote or just justify ra- racial hatred, xenophobia, anti-Semitism, or other forms of hatred based on intolerance, including intolerance expressed by aggressive nationalism and ethnocentrism, discrimination and hostility against minorities, migrants, and people of migrant origin. Well, and... Uh, uh, if we uh, if we agree on such a definition, uh, let me present uh, the research presented by the Center on uh, on Prejudice Studies of the Warsaw University. It is a very interesting research which uh, compares uh, data from 2014 and 2016. It uh, has been done on a representative sample of uh, population. And uh, what is so striking is the fact that uh, uh, within the period of two years, so exactly uh, uh, after a year uh, when uh, law and justice government came to power, there was a significant and quite shocking increase of uh, uh, frequency of hate speech. It especially applies to uh, to Muslims, uh, refugees, uh, Jews, and Ukrainians in Poland, but uh, let me focus on uh, refugees because it is in a clear connection to to electoral campaign. So when it comes to adult population, the increase of uh, hate speech on TV, on public TV, uh, is uh, by 24 percent points. Yes. Compared from from so it, so it increased twenty four percent points from twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen, and that's that's a measure okay. of of people who are surveyed who said that they have seen such speech. Precisely, that's huge. Comes- that is that is a, a, a an amazingly dramatic finding. A twenty five almost twenty five percent increase in just like two years. 
Yes, and uh, if we take uh, uh, the frequency of hate speech uh, on the internet, almost the same uh, amount, 24% percent, uh, percent points uh, uh, increase is by young people. Uh, uh, and they, it is again hate speech uh, on Muslims and uh, refugees. And, and I, can, can I stop you there? Because it's, it's interesting that Muslims and refugees, although not surprising, would be uh, a, a sort of a key target of this hate speech, just in the fact that Poland in that time period was not like a major destination country. I mean, elsewhere in Europe, neighboring Germany, uh, other countries uh, were more frequently either transit or destination countries, but not Poland. Precisely. So uh, Poland uh, never accepted any refugees uh, in this crisis. So it, there was a very uh, deep, uh, controversial and emotional debate in Poland, in Poland going on. And the new government, the government of, so, of the so-called good change, denied uh, uh, the compulsory uh, quota from the EU. So we have to understand that no refugees were accepted to Poland. So we are talking about uh, imagined uh, fears against uh, against Muslims. Uh, uh, so uh, uh, to, uh, to be able to uh, disseminate fears and culture of fears uh, within population, you, you don't need actually the, uh, the, 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 the risk. You, you, it is enough uh, to have a symbolic uh, uh, risk or danger uh, to convince people actually to to, to follow your uh, your ideas, and this is a very um, sad truth or conclusion out of this. You know, it's interesting to me to sort of see the parallels between Poland and and the United States in that 2015 campaign in Poland, which is predicated on ethnic nationalism, and the Trump campaign, which was also predicated on on ethnic nationalism. And you know, as like a, a member of of the media, you know, over the campaign, uh, you know, a year and a half ago, you know, I and as a, frankly someone who has like a very obviously Jewish last name, um, I you know personally experienced like a, a spike in anti-Semitic you know tweets and and other kind of uh, missives directed against me, and I know obviously you know even far more prominent uh, journalists uh, who are Jewish you know experienced the the same, and it was just sort of shocking to see the relationship between sort of a public uh, political campaign. And the degree to which, um, you know, a campaign that's predicated on ethnic nationalism can give license to, to people who would otherwise sort of not feel so free to want to direct their hate speech and use their hate speech and frankly act on their hate filled impulses in, in such a way. It's like the, the act of, of uh, a politician sort of gives license to to their underlings and, and to their followers to want to act on their worst impulses in, in a way that was surprising to me. And I suppose probably was was surprising to you as a, as a poll experiencing this. Yes, well, uh, I couldn't agree more with you. Uh, another factor which, uh, uh, let's, let's put it this way, invited people to share their true opinion was that uh, the effectiveness of, uh, of, of the Polish system of justice uh, uh, is not as it should be. So in other words, uh, uh, even if we have uh, 
some cases uh, of hate speech, which which are being filed by the police. Uh, uh, then uh, they are rarely uh, 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 taken seriously. So many of them are dismissed because uh, of the lower uh, risk for the public. Uh, for the public. Mm -hmm. So uh, 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 some people feel that this is the moment where they are allowed to speak everything what they have in mind. And uh, uh, previously, uh, people would, uh, hmm, would temper themselves and would not uh, admit that they, they have some anti-Semitic uh, opinions be because it would be against uh, political correctness rules. Nowadays, they, they feel free to speak the truth. This is how they call. Uh, so more is allowed, uh, and and this is uh, this is uh, quite concerning, actually. So so let me ask you then, and this is a question I'm struggling with here in the United States: is is how do you put that genie back in the bottle? You know, now that it has been let loose, now that it has been demonstrated that there is political uh, salience and political uh, value in wanting to appeal to this uh, kind of ethnic nationalism. Not only that, but it could propel you to, you know, control the government. Um, how do you reverse this this process? How do you push back? This is a million dollar question, I would say. Uh, 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 this is indeed uh, quite uh, easy to let the, the genes out, out of the bottle, but to put them in. This is, uh, this is the question I struggle uh, uh, every day in the work of my, of my organizations together with some other uh, non-governmental organizations. So, well, uh, if we look upon lessons that taken from history, uh, we see the need of uh, a true dialogue. So uh, polarization is really uh, uh, endangering our society. So uh, the more effort for uh, dialogue, true open dialogue, not within our bubbles, social media bubbles, or within our comfort zones. I'm talking about dialogue which goes beyond, which touches upon the controversies, uh, which uh, leads to, uh, to a change of uh, opinions of both sides. But of course, it is a very it is easy to say, but far more difficult uh, to do because uh, uh, such a dialogue uh, has a couple of conditions. So first of all, that both sides have true will to find an understanding, which I don't think is uh, easily to be found uh, well in Poland and most probably also in the U.S. Uh, so. Uh, of course, uh, of course, education is uh, is the key. Of course, uh, uh, building bridges among among uh, populations. Uh, but these are recipes which everybody knows, and they are so difficult to implement. Well, I wanted to ask you two questions along those lines. First is this. Maybe push back on the idea that dialogue is is the answer, and to get your 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 um your take. I mean, dialogue, you know, is is great. I I suppose in in sort of just kind of getting to know someone else. But your side is right. I mean, you you shouldn't have to sort of you know 
temper your 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 adherence to liberal values and anti-racism to sort of meet someone halfway who's you know a, a racist and an anti-semite you you guys are are the the right ones here like what well, what's I, what's there I, for I, you to give up i i don't know i i was not referring to giving up of uh, on human rights uh, uh, standards not at all uh, but let me give one example uh, patriotism uh, in Poland, uh, uh, patriotism was hijacked by uh, uh, by the uh, right wing. Uh, s- centrist people or uh, liberals uh, would actually claim that uh, well, uh, uh, it's enough if you uh, if you pay taxes, uh, if you uh, do your civic duties, go to elections, and then you are a, a modern patriot. They hardly ever um, uh, focused on 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 this issue, uh, and it was it was a, a great mistake because uh, you know especially in Poland, a country which uh, has uh, uh, in the past uh, was uh, deleted from uh, from the world map for 123 years, uh, the fact that uh, uh, that we have our state. Uh, that that we uh, we have the place the the opportunity to develop our identity is very dear to people the the country uh, and people who preserve memories of wars in every family uh, uh, everybody has a person who died in the war so the the term patriotism is not only a rhetoric figure is something very real and uh, the fact that the right wing hijacked the term um, uh, has very uh, very concrete uh, uh, consequences because uh, liberals were actually uh, in a way accused of uh, lack of uh, uh, feelings, positive feelings towards the, the, the state, uh, uh, homeland, etc. So uh, it was very easy, uh, very easy to turn them to possible traitors, to people who who would um, trade Polish sovereignty to European Union or some other uh, international bodies governed by who uh, uh, interests which are not transparent. So uh, of course I am a little ironizing. Uh, on uh, conspiracy theories, but actually it was uh, so obvious for uh, modern patriots that that you even don't need to mention the word, you don't need to uh, to repeat the obvious gestures like uh, you know uh, uh, using. Uh, uh, exposing the, the Polish flag or, or some occasions, etc., etc. It was so obvious that actually uh, people who took their love to the country, uh, literary, they they actually got skeptical. Hmm. So uh, I am, um, and 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 actually the fact that um, conspiracy theories. Uh, uh, got so popular within the the the, the, the Polish uh, uh, the Polish nation uh, means that there uh, had also some other consequences that there is a leader who actually is able to explain the world 
yes, to explain all the intricacies, to, to, to explain what intransparent uh, uh, interests are governing uh, the country. Uh, that's why uh, I, I am talking about uh, dialogue about issues which matter for a given society. So, yes. what, what's a group like Humanity in Action? What what it doing to to promote these cosmopolitan values, this dialogue, pluralism in in general? Well, uh, let me maybe start. Uh, 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 let me make a, a link to uh, to hate speech. The fact that the, uh, uh, that there is a, uh, that the hate speech is more and more visible uh, in public sphere, both in, in the traditional media and media and uh, uh, on the internet, means that people got used to it. That the language of uh, of hate is now a new normal. So people. Are are getting more and more uh, decent desensitized uh, towards uh, uh, some others, and uh, well, uh, not only this, because uh, uh, actually afterwards uh, there was uh, the the time for uh, physical violence. So uh, as of now, uh, organizations which uh, monitor the instances of uh, of uh, uh, hate-based based incidents report that that uh, on daily basis there are several several incidents which they uh, which they uh, monitor. Uh, so in this uh, situation, uh, our community, uh, Humanity in Action uh, senior fellows, starts as, well as wants to be active, and uh, uh, that's why we uh, we we are thinking and we are implementing several initiatives to counteract this general trend of uh, uh, fears towards the others. Let me mention a couple of examples. Yeah, please do. As some uh, senior fellows uh, uh, initiated a conflict kitchen, which, which started from a food truck in which uh, refugees were uh, uh, were working and uh, by cooking their uh, their dishes from their countries, uh, and they were offering the food uh, and the opportunity for a direct contact. Uh, in Poland, which this is uh, in Poland in a in a society which is uh, so hom homogeneous, the opportunity of a direct contact with a person who escaped persecution, uh, who who has uh, maybe experienced traumas uh, uh, and uh, who who has hope to start a new life uh, uh, in a safe country is uh, could be a life changing uh, experience. So this opportunity of offering work, legal work for refugees, and the opportunity of uh, direct contact uh, was really of key importance. So and through this, uh, through, this, uh, through cooking and, and through a food through truck and, and that's great. This uh, actually uh, this idea turned into uh, into a very successful uh, startup into into a social enterprise and uh, our three senior fellows uh, um, uh, are actually uh, uh, opening up a restaurant in in Warsaw since they they got investors who who really want to uh, to have it uh, done. Some 
Another initiative, after a wave of incidents in the Warsaw public transport, where people were attacked because they did not look Polish, they spoke foreign languages, even uh, even uh, people who were Polish but had uh, uh, a bit darker complexion or were speaking with friends foreign languages, such people got attacked and beaten up. And uh, in order to uh, uh, foster a culture of uh, reacting to such uh, to such incidents, and uh, actually to to make it uh, a, a joint cause uh, that uh, that we are all interested in a safe uh, uh, environment in in public transport where everybody uh, can uh, can use the services uh, on equal terms. Uh, one senior fellow started a um, passenger intervention, so uh, an in initiative where actually uh, um, drivers uh, uh, and passengers uh, would uh, uh, would discuss what are their civic duties in such situations and how together how to prevent such uh, uh, such uh, incidents. Uh, so there are also many uh, uh, many other uh, initiatives uh, uh, which uh, actually uh, which have a, an educational component uh, in it and which enable uh, Poles uh, a direct contact with uh, uh, with people from uh, uh, from other cultures and uh, well which is not the everyday experience of uh, uh, of of Poles because not uh, not so many uh, of them had the opportunity to go abroad and to actually experience what diversity uh, means in practice and uh, how actually uh, diversity could uh, could work for the benefit of uh, of uh, uh, our populations the only uh, the only uh, picture of diversity they know is the fear based campaign uh, which which is uh, uh, well uh, implemented by by the government and and so you know groups like humanity in action and and other civic groups are are pushing back despite the um despite the, the the big political challenges that they face um so thank you thank you monica thank you for your work and you know it's i'm, I'm glad we ended on this note of, of resistance thank you very much all right thank you so much for listening thank you to monica i appreciated having that conversation um, before I let you go, big thank you to everyone who is leaving reviews on iTunes. This is my kind of big push for the last few weeks to, to get more of you to leave a review on iTunes. As I say often, it is a very good way to increase the exposure of this podcast, to increase the visibility of this podcast among people who are interested in foreign policy and want to to subscribe to a podcast. It basically improves how Global Dispatches falls in the search rankings in Apple among people who are looking for a foreign policy podcast. So the more reviews, the merrier. Thank you all for listening, and I will see you soon. Bye.
The views and opinions expressed in the podcast are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the policies or positions of Humanity in Action.